It was the sixth day of the creation of the world. God had already placed so much color and wonder and beauty onto the earth. The sky, sea, sun, moon, stars, vegetation, birds, fish, and animals. Wow. But God had not quite finished, for there was more to be made. God took some dirt from the earth and then began to mold and sculpt and perfect his creation, man. God then breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of the man, and the man became a living being. I said, and the man became a living being. Adam, where are you? I'm back here. I was just thinking. What were you thinking? Well, it's a bit embarrassing, but am I supposed to be naked? Um, yes, but I, I think in this situation, it's probably best you just keep your clothes on. Phew. Okay. Ta-da, here I am. (laughs) Now, God had planted a garden in a place called Eden. This is where he placed Adam. Adam was to look after and take care of the garden and everything in it, such as the trees... ...and the animals. Meow... Oh, wow, look at all these animals. I think I'm going to name them. Let's see. This one I'll call Kitty. And, and this one I'll call Salt. And <laughs> this one I'll call Peppa. <laughs> Enough? Yeah. I think we may need to work on some of the names. Next, God took a rib out of Adam. What? And made a partner for him, as he didn't think Adam should be alone. A rib for my body? That sounds painful. I don't think I like this. God put, God put Adam into a deep sleep. Remo- removed one of his ribs. And then sealed up the wound. (laughs) From the rib, a woman was created to keep Adam company. Hey there. Hi. Hey, uh, you are the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. I shall call you Foxy. No, Adam. Uh, Babe? No. No. Bird? No. Potty? No. No. Sugar plum? No. No. Enough. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Fine. I'll name this woman Eve. So, Adam, the man, and Eve, the woman enjoyed each other's company 
and looked after the garden together. Until one day a crafty serpent made its way over to the woman and said to her, Eve. And Eve said, A talking snake. I mean, yes. Did God really say that you can't eat from the trees in the garden? I'm a tree. <laughs> uh, no, not all of them. Just, just one. In fact, uh, this one in the middle. We can't eat from it or even touch it because we're going to die. Ha! Is that what he said? That's so funny. Of course you won't die. The fruit on it is part of your five a day. God only said that because he knows that when you eat from it, you will become like him. Knowing both good and evil and everything in between. Oh dear, I've gone and said too much, haven't I? I'd best be going. So Eve took the fruit and ate it. Then she handed the fruit to Adam, who also ate it. Immediately something in them changed, and they became ashamed that they were naked. Just just pretend you're naked, okay? Okay. (gasps) We're naked. Oh, oh, we're naked. Oh, yes. Hang on. Um... Couldn't you find anything bigger? (laughs) Adam and Eve then heard God. He was walking through the garden, through the trees, amongst the animals, and he called out to them, but they hid. I'm here. So, Eve, we hid from you because we were naked. Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the one tree? I don't know. Yes. Oops. Yes. We did. So God made the man and the woman some leather clothing and dressed them. told you this was much cooler than that fig leaf. <laughs> then God punished both of them and kicked them out of the garden. So Adam and Eve lived together and looked after one another and had babies and stuff. But never again did they enter the Garden of Eden. And never again were things perfect. The end of the beginning. How's your person doing? Yeah? There's mine. We'll put it there. You know, when we, when we came into church, maybe you saw these words. 
God is dot, dot, dot. I wonder how you'd, you'd end it. God is what? I wonder what we'd, what we'd put, and we'll, we'll think about it in a minute. There's a story told of a, of a little girl, kind of about Emily's age there. And the little girl was, was drawing this picture at school. And her teacher comes over to her and says, you know, that's an interesting picture. What are you drawing a picture of? And the, Emily said, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. To which the little girl responded by, to which the teacher responded by saying, well, nobody really knows what God's like. And then the little girl said, well, the will when I'm finished. You see, we all of us from a very early age have some sort of picture of what God is like. You know, some of it, it comes from our parents, doesn't it? The way our parents have talked about God. We've taken that image in. Some of it happens from our experiences of life. Other things happen because of how the media or the social media in particular talk about God. And how God is portrayed and it kind of becomes a thought in our heads. But I wonder, how would you complete the sentence? You see, I want to show you a few images of how people have described God is what God is like. Here's one of them as we begin. That God is like a policeman. You know, do you ever find that out there? I do. When I talk to people, that God is like a policeman. That he's just waiting to, to catch you out and to, to punish you. Or, or here's another one that I find out there as well. God is like Father Christmas. You know, that he's just going to give me whatever I want, whenever I want it. Or here's another picture of God that I, I find out there. Particularly amongst children, that God is like the force In Star Wars, this energy field that's around and in and is capable of good and bad. But this is how I would answer that question. God is love. Yesterday, I took a wedding in here. And I started the service with God is love. That is for me, when you read the Bible all the way through, the most biggest picture that we see over and over again repeatedly of who God is, that God is love. And that's really important, isn't it? Because the clever doctors in here will tell us that everyone wants to be loved. We all want to be cared for, whoever we are. And there are two ways that God showed his love to us. This is the first way that God showed his love for us. It was when he created the world. God showed his love to us. You know, we we heard the story then, didn't we, of, of part of how the world was created. And you know, sometimes that description of what happened is mocked in our world today. But actually, what we should realize about the story of creation in the Bible is how radical it was from anything else that was around at that time. So, for instance, for anyone else who was around at that time, this is how the world was created. That you and me were created as an afterthought. That you and me were created to have no interaction with God whatsoever. And that you and me were created as slaves of God. 
You read any document from that time, and that's what it will tell you. What you read in the creation story of how much God loves us is that he created us how? He didn't create us an afterthought. He created us as the best bit of creation. And he didn't create us to have no interaction with God, but to have a relationship with God as he breathes life into Adam and then to Eve. And he didn't create us to be slaves or robots. He gave us the greatest gift of all, the freedom to choose to love him or not. And when he created each one of us, like this if you like, in our smallest form, he put a bit of him in us, a bit of him in our heart. This is how King David describes how much that means to know that there's a bit of God in us. Because of that, he wanted to find God. Because all of us want to find God, whoever we are. And if it's not God, it's just someone else instead. And he said these words, You God are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And then he writes of the joy of finding God. Because your love is better than life. So God created us because he loved us. That's the first way that we see God's love. And so we'll sing about that now in this song that speaks of how God's love is better than life. So shall we stand together? Please sit down. We'll use it in a minute. Okay, if we put the, put the slide back up again. This is the first way that God showed his love for us, that he, he created us. And of course, if you remember in that sketch, what happened at the end of the sketch? The end of the sketch was that Adam and Eve ate the lovely fruit and kind of exited from the garden. And that's where the end of, if you like, Genesis 3 ends. The story at the beginning of the Bible is how God created the world out of love and gave us freedom to choose to love God. And we chose not to love God. The story of the rest of the Bible is how desperate God is that he wants us back for good. That's the story of the rest of the Bible. In fact, the greatest way in which God has showed his love for us is that he tried all sorts of ways to to bring us back. And eventually, he found that the only way was that he actually would come as a human being himself 
and come and love us and come and be with us. And of course, the greatest way in which we see his love for us was when he came and not only lived on this earth, but when he came and died for us on the cross to restore that relationship that Adam and Eve had broken. You know, when I, when I think about that, I was reminded as I was preparing this talk about these words. When I was at university the first time round in Newcastle, I had on my halls of residence dormitory door a poster. And the poster asked a question, how much does God love us? And the poster finished with these words, this much. And he stretched out his arms and died. That is how much God loves us. You know, when we, when we think about that, we can't truly comprehend it. But this is how Jesus described how much God loves us and the depth and how far he would go. This is how Jesus described it. He described it as an, as an old woman who would go looking for a valuable coin and would search all night until she found the valuable coin. Or he described it as a shepherd. Imagine this is a sheep. Kind of is a bit. Who would go looking for one wayward sheep. Even though the other 99 were fine, he would go searching for those other, that one lost sheep. Or he described it as a father who would willingly allow his rebellious son to go and kind of do whatever he wants and make a mess of his life. And while he was making a mess of his life, he would wait patiently, still loving, still waiting for him to come back. And then when he did come back, he would welcome him back unconditionally. That is the depth of God's love for us. You know, there was a man in the 20th century. He was a man called Karl Barth. Now, if I asked you to read some of Karl Barth, for most of us, we wouldn't understand him. And I've tried to read him. He's known as the greatest theologian of the 20th century. He changed the way that God was talked about so much that even if you disagreed with him, you had to engage with him. And he was asked towards the end of his life at a, at a university in Chicago by a student. He was asked this question. He said, Mr. Bart, with all the books that you've wrote about God and how much you understand God, can you just sum up everything that you've wrote about him in, in one sentence? And he looked at the student and he said, this is what I would say. It's something that I learned as a four-year-old on my mother's knee. And it was a song. And it said these words. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. One man's great thinking of God. He'd fill a bookshelf of books. Summed up in Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Because it is the greatest act that God ever showed in terms of how he is love. So we're now going to think about that. In four ways. We've got a choice of fourth ways that we can think about how much God loves us. 
And this is the, the part of our service that we call the All in Sync, where we put various zones, where you can now explore some of the thoughts that we've been thinking about in this service in various different ways. You might want to sing a bit about God's love. And if you want to sing a bit about God's love, then just stay in your pew. Or you might want to discuss a bit more about what God's love is like. And so if you want to do that, then that's going to happen in the Epiphany Chapel just up at the top there. Or you might want to create something. You might be a creative mind. And so you might want to think, you know what? I want to think about what God's love is like. And if you want to do that, then just go over there to the fellowship area. We've got an activity there. Or you might want to think, well, you know, I'm a bit more of an action type of person. And so I want to explore in action what it means to love God and to know a bit more about God's love. And as we do these activities, what will happen with the discussion, it'll be more straightforward, but particularly with the create one and the move one, is that at some stage you'll stop the activity and the person who's leading it, which will be Joe and Emma or Julie, will start to ask some questions about, well, what do you think this is teaching you about God's love? So why don't we stand together and we're going to, if you want to stay singing, then stand up because you can, you're going to need to sing, to, you're going to stand to sing. Or if you want to move, then this is your opportunity to move. And what we'll do is we'll call you back in about 15 minutes or so.